0: This episode is a little different from our normal podcasts. Nick and I aren't chatting in this one. Instead, we present to you a talk that was given last year. A talk you'll be pleased to know that was given by someone other than ourselves. It's difficult to overstate just how courageous our speaker is today. Nick and I have been open about how we should have done more during the COVID madness. This person had no such issues. While Nick and I and you were breaking the rules in small ways, visiting family and friends, for example. Our speaker was organising marches with tens of thousands of people during the very first lockdown, at the peak of the insanity. She's a true trailblazer and a visionary, and I was lucky enough to attend a seminar with her last year, organised by an old friend of mine at his studio. This is part one. She's a microbiologist, an immunologist, an inventor and a freedom fighter. She specialises in autoimmune diseases and cancer and defending our inalienable rights. She has had more arrest warrants than I've had £350 deadlifts, and you've probably already seen and heard of her on TNT Radio and in her many interviews. I can't tell you how much of an honour it is to release this one. Please enjoy this fantastic edition of the Sounding Board podcast with Professor Dolores Carhill. <laughs>
1: Thank you. My name is Dolores, or Josephine D or Josephine Dolores. Thank you, and thank you all for coming out on Saturday. Thank you for taking the time to come. (coughs) It's a real honour, and in a way, it's a little bit historic, because this is, even though we've given some introductory talks about co-ops, this is one of the first ones where, if you are interested afterwards, that we would like to implement um, pilot co-ops. So we're hoping to do, between Britain and Ireland, about five or seven, need a glass? No, I'm great. No, thank you. Uh, Five or seven locality co-ops and or health co-ops. So probably about 14. Is that okay? So it'll be the same paperwork. As you'll see, I'll go through how we've adapted it a little bit. And then we want to pilot it with people that we know so that in six months time, if something isn't working, we will then adapt it based on your experience. And then we will roll it out to more people does that make sense? So this is just a learning and you'll see where the co-op fits. The other thing, because we're all doing it voluntarily, is that we would in a divine way like people to agree that if uh, it works for you, that you would then handhold. You know what handhold means? Yes. And then we would come together to decide what is feasible. Is it two others in a year? Is it four others? Oh, you know, in your um, locality. So if you are if it was the new forest or Devon or Aberdeenshire or whatever, that would, you, would it be feasible to handhold two more locality co-ops or one or two more health hubs that you would choose? <coughs> but it's only kind of on a passing it forward way. Does that make sense? No one is going to come back and say. But I suppose what we would like to do since we're limited, so you'll see the co-ops we're doing is with eight other people in Britain and Ireland, and they are people that we all trust And we're all doing it voluntarily. Um, But we would like to roll it out with people that would be in the spirit, that they would also pass it on. Because if we roll it out to the first five, and none of them pass it on, it's not going to grow. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But the thing is, we don't want to roll this paperwork, which is the first paperwork that we will handle with Karen and whoever wants to hear for the health hubs, that you will be honest to us and say, what's not working? You know what I mean? What, yeah, so we're not saying we have it all adapted, mm. but we, we yeah. have the model. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm going to go through a few slides. So it, it might seem a bit unusual to talk about co-ops and the law. And I get, who hasn't watched any of my videos? Who hasn't? Only one or two? Don't shoot Three, one. four. <laughs> <laughs> have skills, by the way. Okay, cool. All right. So then I'll go through uh, There's a few background slides. It's fine. So it turns out for people who know me, I'm doing this law versus legal. So I've been studying the law all my life. And the synopsis of my whole life's work in the law has been law versus legal, right? They're not the same thing. Mm -hmm. And people use legal and illegal in this generation, the words interchangeably. Mm So people say legal and illegal, but what might be surprised to you is like a hundred years ago, no one would ever have used the word legal. They would just use lawful. And so the whole synopsis of my, t- on my Telegram channel, at Dolores Cahalow, one word, is law versus legal. Yeah. So the synopsis is to understand the whole thing is very simple. The law and the legal system are not the same. And so the law works. So everything in the legal, so the law... There's a hierarchy of law, men and women, people. And the law, there is a lawful language, so in England it would be English, in Spain it would be Spanish, in France it would be French,
2: right?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, the law applies to men and women, the lo- it applies in the lawful language, so we'll say English, it would be Guelga, Irish, and English in Ireland, and it applies to men and women who are alive. And then the legal system is actually like the level of your county council. You know, like McDonald's that make rules when you're in their property? Mm -hmm. And the legal system applies only to businesses. Only to businesses, yeah? So something that's not alive, the legal system. And there's a special language, which is a foreign language. And the language of the legal system is legalese and then how do you know you're dealing with a business called a corporation is it has like Mr. Smith, Miss Cow? But that has the lowest jurisdiction of all, the legal <coughs> talking. Yeah? So what they've been doing and this whole process works over hundreds of years that they do it's a generational thing. Now it sounds bizarre and I can go into it, but that they just do it insidiously over generations uh, so that people don't really notice. So that our great-grandparents would only have been talking about the law. And so in the law, it is trial by jury. And then they invert everything. In the legal system, which is all businesses, they invite 12 businesses and they call it a jury trial. So 12 businesses, Mr. Smith, Miss Cahill, go in to the legal system that has no jurisdiction. It's like McDonald's private court. And they do business with each other, but they can only do business with things that are not alive. (coughs) So the words in legalese for the legal system is person and citizen. Mm. So that describes businesses that are not alive. So why the clinical trials haven't been stopped is they are inviting businesses to get injections. But it's uh, like the the doctor would be Miss Jones in to, you know, injecting or inviting Mr. Smith to have an injection and then if Mr. Smith as the business ceases trading within 15 minutes because Mr. Smith was never alive then there's nobody has, you know, it was never alive, so therefore the clinical trials only apply to the legal title of the business as Miss Smith or Mr. Jones, yeah? So what they've done is kind of superimpose the legal system on the law. So they use it's lawful trial by jury of living men and women, and then in the legal system it's jury trial. So it's malfeasance, which is a criminal offense to dress up as police. And in the legal system, it's misfeasance. Now, one of the Jenga things for them is, and I call it, it's like holding a hot potato or a baby, you know, right? So, and this is, and then I'll go into the main talk just to explain, but just for people who are not really aware, it's good to kind of have an overview, is that, There's a little hot potato that what I was doing when I was traveling was like, you need to create a hot potato in the law. You need to have standing. So you actually need to do something where they come into your world and they try and accuse you of something. Mm -hmm. So all the petitions and all the talking is never going to do anything. In the law, to men and women, you have to actually be affected by something, you know, privately. So they have to come into your world. So, for example, if you were a woman who was pregnant then you would have standing if the woman paid, as a nurse says, we, you cannot have your first baby in this building unless you take a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Then that woman would have standing in law, whereas mm-hmm. I wouldn't have. Do you get it? Mm-hmm. So you can only really push back. And then in the law of what is divine, because we're all connected, you just need one man or woman to have standing to challenge the whole thing, whatever it is. And because we're all connected divinely, and in the law that one pregnant woman who is successful by showing that that was an infringement on her right to life Mm -hmm. and privacy and bodily integrity and the property of her body by trespassing and by coercion and its malfeasance, yeah, it's a criminal offence to coerce somebody into a a medical treatment or to deny them a medical treatment by risking their life to force them into another one to get a a life-saving treatment. Yeah, that if one woman says no one pregnant woman then she has standing to take a precedence case and then that applies to everyone in the world it doesn't matter who you are because the law is the natural law it applies to all men and women everywhere yeah so what I was doing when I was coming over to Trafalgar Square was generating the little hot potato do you know what I mean I needed yeah, yeah, to generate yeah. standing and you only really have the hot potato the highest uh, authority is when you're returning home because your freedom of travel so and also What's beautiful for you is, even though it's not true, what I'm going to say next, it's not true, but I'm going to say it anyway. So it turns out the law, the most ancient language in the world is Old Irish and Sanskrit, Hebrew and all languages in the world are actually generated from Irish. And the oldest system of law in Europe, if not the world, is the Irish law. Mm -hmm. I'm not just saying it because it's Irish, it just happens (laughs) to be... And part of the reason why the Crown and the City of London, which are not the same thing, and the monarchy, they're all not the same thing, they're all completely different, but what they had to do is ensure that they eliminated our language, you know, and decimated our people because mm. we had this, in, you know, innate knowledge of the law. So, but, so what's happened now is in the world, because of the 60 Commonwealth, uh, countries that are associated with England, that if you generate a precedence in England, it has, in their world and in the law, higher, you know, it sets a precedence immediately for the Commonwealth countries, right? Mm-hmm. But also everywhere. So, partly why we are rolling out the trial by jury in England is that if we get a one lawful trial by jury around freedom of travel, like the 15-minute ghettos cities mm-hmm. in Oxford or Canterbury, we just need to be get one over the line, that will set a precedence for every man and woman in the world that a piece of paper cannot infringe on your right to travel for anything, climate change, monkeypox, <coughs> COVID-24, or whatever. Do you get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the reasons why we came up with co-ops is that I did the whole thing knowing that we would need a trial by jury, so in 2020. And then if you want to organise nations with people, so in the natural law, which is different to the common law, you have to have a system of justice for each nation, just one system. You can't have it that someone says, I'm going to hold a common law court. You know, and I'm not... Dissing anything about the common law? I'm just saying it's a difference. Okay, does that make sense? Because otherwise, you're almost like an ad hoc group. So if I don't like you, and I instigate a common law court, and it's not really fair, mm-hmm. then it's almost like you know what you would do if you were trying to take the system down. You get it? You know what I mean? So what what we have to do is to set up a system of trial by jury within the whole nation. So then I was thinking because I came over the same group of people that helped, we all worked together in 2020. We're all still together and we trust each other. Many of them would know a lot about the Magna Carta and the constitution. And so I came over because we're now, you know we've more advanced to say, I wanted to do a lawful trial by jury. I held workshops in January and in February and March. And I brought initially about 12 people together and then 30 people. (coughs) Many of them are household names to say, can we pitch the trial by jury in the natural law? And it was like four or five days discussion. And they all said yes, you know, which was amazing. Right. It was really amazing. It's very important. And so the thing about the natural law is it applies in Brazil, in Nigeria, in Hawaii, in Greenland. It's the same as the indigenous peoples of the world everywhere. Yeah. So the thing about the natural law is it's above all written documents, all constitution. And it turns out the trial by jury sits in the natural law of men and women. And the entire law is acting on or do no harm. And that men and women, so that's our obligation to society everywhere in the world, is just acting on or do no harm. And that men and women everywhere, all of us, have an inalienable right that can never be taken away. It's with us for every second that we're alive from conception until we breathe our last breath of the right to life, travel, speech, property and privacy. And that's the law. That's the entire law. And it turns out that covers everything, every interaction you'll ever have. And the, um, the men and women who we pay as police and justices and coroners and civil servants... <coughs> They have an obligation to defend our right to life, travel, speech, property and privacy. Mm-hmm. And if you're paid as police or a Supreme Court justice or a local justice, judge, whatever, your job is to protect our right to travel. So your right to life, you can imagine that's important, but your right to travel and speech in the law are the same level. So, you you know, them... Passing a piece of paper to infringe on your right to travel is the same as passing a piece of paper to say you can go around and Mm. murder people. Do you get it? Taking away your right to life is the exact same in the law as taking away your right to free speech and your right to travel. And the reason why, you know, pilgrims in the past would say everywhere, they would often go on a journey, right, to Mm. China or to Italy or whatever... And they, in the whole world, the society only works when people have freedom of travel. So that meant that you couldn't really have the French, you know, society or king saying you have to pay, you know, the equivalent of a thousand pounds to go to Lourdes, Mm. because then they didn't have that money and then they wouldn't be able to go on their pilgrimage, right? Mm. Yeah. So that's where it comes from. Now, just in case any of you are thinking, your right to work and your right to go on holidays can be monitor, right? We're talking about freedom of travel. You know what I mean? We we can get into the weeds about oh if you want to work somewhere or how do you, how does it work, right? Okay. So do you get it? The whole law the whole law is act in honour do no harm and that you have an inalienable right to life, travel, speech, property and privacy. So there are a few very powerful words in the law. Um, they're like wish well, intention. Wish trespass so the law really so part of the thing as well in a right to life is your right to so if you have a right to life then anyone dressed in a white coat if they're going to inject you or give you a treatment the liability in law rests on them if they're going to recommend something to you it has to be less harm than good because in the law they have to do no harm or in medicine first do no harm but it comes from the law and they hold the liability that whatever they recommend to you it has to do less harm than good less harm than good right? and then if they're going to recommend something they have to give you full free and informed consent yeah they have to tell you what they're going to do that's full and then informed means they have to tell you the risks Right, but the thing is, right? they have an absolute obligation to do that. Right, Full, free. Free means they can't coerce you and inform consent. Now, if you're paid as a medical practitioner and you give something that's known to be more harmful than good and that patient has injuries or dies, the criminal and financial and professional liability rests with the man or woman who did the injection. Absolutely in law. And just in case you don't know, I've been lecturing for twenty you know, for years, like I'm a professor for twenty years, but I did clinical trial research and any research involving men and women,
2: you have to know
1: the law, right? So I, I knew the law because we in my company we did twenty thousand men and women in clinical trials. And and I used to take the responsibility for the clinical trials, yeah? which means that if anybody died on the trials, it would have been my responsibility, right? Now, that means that the responsibility is at the level of murder, right? If you start a clinical trial and somebody dies in a clinical trial, the death is in law and statistically decided it's on the clinical trial and because you have a, that man or woman had the right to life and you can't go around murdering people, You would stop the clinical trial and it didn't happen but if we were in a process then I would be liable whoever takes responsibility right so you can see that what they're trying to do is invert the whole thing right so normally and there has been even up to a decade ago where less than 10 people in the world died even on a vaccine clinical trial and the whole thing was stopped right now what they're trying to do in the last generation is to make it seem like it's hopeless and also to miseducate people for a hundred years so that nobody knows the law. <coughs> uh, literally, that anybody who actually knows the law in university, they're t- taught the wrong thing. They're taught that, oh, you have immunity from prosecution. You enroll the Mr. Smith, Miss Jones name, which is the corporation, and that's okay. And then that you start not autographing things. Yeah. So when I, what I was doing in Trafalgar Square then was generating the hot potato. Um, well, also I had an absolute obligation in the law to tell about adverse events because if you know something, so say if you are a policeman or you are a soldier and you know that they are going to murder civilians in a village, in the law you have an absolute obligation to prevent murder. Yeah, And then in the law it says you are liable for your actions and your omissions. That's a maxim of law. And another maxim of law is no man or woman is above the law. So if I didn't do my duty in the law to travel to make people aware that the vaccine that was going to be rolled out a year later contained an mRNA technology where in 20 years there was zero approval of any mRNA vaccine anywhere in the world because of the deaths of babies, children, animals every single one right not one and they were planning an mRNA vaccination then if I didn't go and say that I would actually hold the liability, liability in law and someone could come to me and say you you should have known you knew or you should have known and then I would hold the liability and then they could literally prosecute me for not doing my duty right so What they did was absolutely the wrong thing. So I had a duty in law to travel, to organise Trafalgar Square, to get the message out as much as I could. And what they then did was, the first one, and when I say I organised it, there was about 10 people organising it, but like I paid for the speakers or I paid for, and I actually, it was kind of my idea with Kate Shimarani and then we got about 10 people, but I made sure that I paid for the things you know, right in order to have absolute evidence that I organised, yeah, because I needed it historically. Because, um, we that one incident of them generating a criminal con- uh, accusation and issuing warrants. If we can, we can always go back to that event. If it was shown that it was um, malfeasance by the chief justice of England and Wales to do that, that was set a precedence for everyone right so it was important so I knew that in 2020 um, so what I was doing was generating the hot potato okay. right so then I went there it was a 2000 fine now this is kind of funny right so back in July 2020 to organize a meeting of more than seven people outside was 2000 pound fine which isn't too bad but to a criminal offense of two years in prison to organize meeting in England and Wales, right? You might not remember. So uh, I was, you know, we had about 40,000 people at that one. And then the next month we had another one. So Boris Johnson, I was already over and anyone who was here would know that the boys in blue were like, I used to walk and then the boys in blue would walk and I'd stop and it was good crack, right? So the next month um, when we were organising the August one, a month later, August 2020, now these were the biggest rallies in the world, right? Um, it, Boris Johnson up to 10,000 fine for organising a meeting of 30 people outside in the summertime and 10 years in prison. Right. Now, the thing is, it's game on, so we can go into it later, but Agenda 21 is the agenda, you know, you might have heard of Agenda 2020, 2030, 2040, 2050. 2060, 2070, 2080, 2090. So it's the agenda for the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that agenda wants people in a 80 years' time to live in a room with no windows and 21 square metres, because it's Agenda 21. Mm-hmm. And then, literally, I've been in rooms there. They're head-wrecking. I've actually gone... They've been building them all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. All over Copenhagen and stuff. And that's also why the hotels have... Windows you can't open, you know, for the last twenty years. Yeah, you know the way it's kind of insidious, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you go to an Agenda Twenty One room, uh, they they only have like no no wardrobes, you know, just the little things. So you have three changes of clothes, no pots and pans, so that your food you, you literally own nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so how they get people to go from like our generation, if you're over forty, you you're used to driving, you know, you're used to not being stuck to a situation within 80 years, they want our grandchildren and great-grandchildren to be happy to live in a box and only mm. go around 15 minutes. That's what Agenda 21 is, but one of the key Jenga, you know the game Jenga? Yeah, Where yeah. You have oh, yeah, 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 like that. The main, there are two key kind of pillars they need to be successful. One is to stop people from traveling, and the other is to not know the law you know to to not know so the travel and the knowing that the legal system is not lawful are like the bottom of the jenga thing it unravels the whole thing mm-hmm. so what happened in Chicago square in august 2020 um the fact that they instigated criminal proceedings to put me in prison in england for 10 years uh, which no paperwork i've never seen right and no and the newspapers said on in August 2021 that a warrant had been issued for my arrest yeah. in England now I never saw that warrant right you know I never saw it which of course makes complete sense for them um, but what that is that paperwork means that the newspapers actually were helping us right because you needed a historical record to say that the warrant existed yeah so if they were clever they shouldn't have done it that way. They shouldn't have not sent me anything and then put it in worldwide news. It literally was worldwide news, right, that there's a warrant issued for the professor. So I was going to do my autobiography, the professor and the warrant. <laughs> but then for coming back in 2020, and, and you're supposed to issue a lawful warrant within six months of the event, and it has to be autographed, and it has to be done by a man who's alive to a woman who's alive, and has to be done in the lawful language, right? So for they've only issued them, like the latest uh, criminal offence was instigated in January 2023 for my travel in September, 2020.
2: Oh. Yeah, which is completely today, unlawful don't.
1: and it's yeah. in legalese and it's not autographed, right? But the beauty is that Ireland allegedly issued two more warrants that I haven't seen or my return trip in August, right? So I g- ended up getting which is kind of divine because that means that it's a precedence, right? It's a precedence for travel. But the reason why it was important in, in twenty twenty to travel was that Agenda twenty-one only works on fear and no knowledge of the law and you know, law legal system, right? Absolutely that people everybody stays at home. So <coughs> all you need is the very fact that whoever came, like you did That when we had a million people breaking the lockdown, right, everybody... Now, I I really admire Laura Nina, right, she's amazing, and she speaks the truth. But one of the things she said is, oh, we had these rallies and they didn't do anything. Mm. But the (coughs) thing that they did was it showed that people can meet and they couldn't actually do anything. Do you know what I mean? That they didn't actually put me in prison. So while we then focused on other things, as you'll see, building the new... Those people meeting, even though it was 10 years in prison, where 40,000 people turned up and a million people turned up and a million people went home, that's kind of like, to them, it's like game on, right? It's not gonna work. So they had hoped that everybody would stay in, in 2020. It
3: makes a mockery of the
1: law. It makes a mockery of the whole thing, right? So that one little case of me traveling, and it's not about me, but all of the million people that came, that actually showed that they did not expect that in 2020. They expect to make a whole lot of people sick and demoralize. And then there's other levers they have, hyperinflation. Mm-hmm. And then like one of the rallies we were going to do in 2022, they said out of the blue in like September 2022, when we had a rally in London, there was a petrol shortage. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that yeah. for a few weeks? Yeah. And then the trains didn't run and then the underground didn't run and we had planned a million march in about two weeks before and then they just stopped and then even we were trying to get taxis that weekend and there was no taxis, no trains, no underground, right? So what they're planning, the whole thing with the climate change agenda, the plan is as well. To dig up the roads to the rural countryside. Now, I th- I know it sounds a bit bizarre, but the you know I have seen it, and when I researched in 1980s, it's it's hard to get that information now. <coughs> but literally, it goes on that you get you move people into towns and villages, and then the electric cars will say don't drive past a certain point. Mm. So the same kind of thing. If you're on Google Maps now, there are certain ways of getting somewhere which Google Maps will never bring you to. Mm. And what that would do is just get smaller and smaller, right? And then it would be that the electric vehicles, you know the way those electric scooters, they don't go past a certain amount, that the electric vehicles wouldn't go past a certain amount. And then they say there's a diesel and a fuel shortage so that in your grandchildren will just not, you know, they will say, well, there's only electric cars. You can't go into, that's a biodiversity region designated by the United Nations. And then you can't go there right so that in four generations time and what their plan to do is is to dig up the roads yeah, yeah. now and of course to destroy farming yeah. and then the people only have access to food is that it? so part of the thing that I was doing in August 2020 was to generate the hot potato that I needed them now it's not entrapment because I, I had an obligation to do it yeah. is to provide information so what they ended up doing then is doing the warrants and then they then are liable because what they're saying is to travel is a criminal offence. And then the little hot potato is because the people in the courts, lawful courts and police, their only role is to act in honour and do no harm and to oversee if somebody is dishonourable in their contracts or goes around murdering someone, that they then come in, Mm -hmm. right, you know, in the law and then the trial by jury would kick in. Um, and they have to protect our right to life, travel, speech, property, and privacy, right? right. So if you're dressed up as police, your absolute, your only mm. job is to defend and protect, let's we'll say, our right to travel. So for them to issue proceedings and accuse someone to say you must go to prison for 10 years, the hot potato then for them is every man and woman to be paid in a role as judge, police. Um, members of Parliament, the monarch, right, since no one is above the law, is the crime of malfeasance, which is 20 years in prison for them. So all you need is one person, and why England is so important is that because of the Commonwealth and your history and the world looks at you, that if the precedence is done, in one example, in a trial by jury around freedom of travel, or the 15-minute cities, or a coroner in the desert, the world knows that England and English law is very significant, and immediately it, it resonates in the 60 Commonwealth countries. And that's why, you know, the co ops. So, when we then came to do the co ops, I said, okay, so everybody agreed January, February, March that they would pitch the trial by jury in the natural law. So, there would be one trial by jury system in England, Scotland, Wales, or Britain. And of course, it's not up to me, an Irish woman, to tell you, right? It's your It's your system. And Edward Fitzgerald, who was one of the key people, he wrote a book. I don't know if any of you have read it, Smoke and Mirrors. Yeah? Yeah? So partly, like, we are involved in this in islands around the world, in other continents. We're in touch with the Inuits, the Sami people, right? So every nation has its own history of, like, in Scandinavia, they call it the Ting. So, of course, if the Scandinavian people were going to have a trial by jury system, they would use their words, right? And I think it's in the Inuits, I can't remember, but in order to be a convener, you have to be over 65 or something. right? So the thing is, it's not up to me. So whatever nation, if you have... So what Edward Fitzgerald did was he wrote Smoke and Mirrors to say what the history was and gave all the names for the trial by jury. It used to be done in England on 10 families. yeah? So each family then might be 20, 30 people, so you'd be talking about two or 300 are or in a radius. Does that make sense? So it's not up to me. But the main thing about trial by jury is that it has to be on a nationwide system. So then I was thinking, how can you get tens of thousands of people together without us taking any names? You know what I mean? It's a dilemma. Because what you don't want to do in the initial period where the men and women volunteering are 1% of the population, that you're generating something that the powers that be use that information to then target the one percent yeah so what I came up with is that we would then do co-ops so that's a dual system right the, the the co-op system was developed in Ireland initially and in Tipperary um but it's centuries old right so you would have known that farmers who were producing butter would you know hundreds of years ago would have a farmers' co-op right or an employees co-op or a shipbuilders co-op right does that remember yeah Yeah. so the beauty of the co-op is is the co-ops actually are set up in the law whereas a legal company is set up in the legal system but the co-ops are actually based in law now the reason why that is is they were set up a few hundred years ago when there was no legal system really you know what I mean the legal system was there but all farmers had a no trespass sign or they would just say to somebody you can't trespass right? right so everybody was operating in the law about 150 years ago so the co-ops mean, what operating in the law just means is that men and women are, you know, the co-op is a structure where you can be a living man or woman, right? Whereas in the legal system, uh, you can only be a legal entity, which is Mr. Smith. Okay? Have I lost you? No. Did you get it? No. So the so I was looking to see. Well, we want to get tens of thousands, millions of people. So this system applies everywhere. So the paperwork that we've done, it's in English. But it it can you can use it, say if you were in Greenland or you're in Brazil or in your Nigeria or you're in New Zealand, mm-hmm. Because the natural law is above everything. So the idea is that we will we have now adapted the there is cooperative paperwork and actually, we have to give credit to Chris Coverdale, who has done like 15 years amazing work. Um, and he, when I did the first meeting in January, I asked would he come because <coughs> he had just done a Richard Voges interview. And he came straight away um, and he, he gave us the paperwork. Yeah. So it turns out the paperwork for co-ops is the same all over the world. Yeah, It's very simple and you are a member. So imagine membership in the law is to, is like if you're in a golf club, Mm -hmm. you would know our gym. Do you remember people who were traveling to gyms were able to travel in the lockdown? Yeah. Now the reason is that if you are a member of anything, an association, or a PMA, a private members association, or a golf club, for people who didn't really know what they were doing, they could just say, I'm a golf club member, i'm traveling to play golf and then the boys in blue which is what i call the people dressed mm-hmm. up as police yeah they can't do anything because they know they're actually the boys in blue all of them with their little masonic you know the colors of the rothschilds are blue and yellow mm-hmm. hence covid 19 and uh, ukraine mm-hmm. and then the other one is the checkbook for the tiles on the masonic mm-hmm. floors mm-hmm. you know the boys yeah. that are here yeah. Yeah. so you have boys in black but just they are just agents, but they are the lowest of the low, right? The lowest of the low or they have no jurisdiction. So I don't know if you have a small like it would be like um I don't know, whatever. Some delivery like FedEx or something. It would be like that they are agents of a company that you have no knowledge of, right? You know, Lego. Let's call them agents of Lego as a, as a business. <coughs> yeah? But they're dressed up. Um they're dressed up as agents, right? But they're dressed up, and you think they are lawful police, but they're actually agents of, let's say, Lego. Yeah? Does that make sense? So when, when men or women are driving, he's taking a photograph now. So I <laughs> look, professorly. This is your gig, I know, I'm looking. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. That's
2: it's all the time now. Perfect. That's fine. Three,
1: two, one. <laughs> uh, I'm joking. It just says, Oh, you know what? I always forget to take a photograph and then it's like we leave a place. It's only the back of your heads. A minute, right. So that, um, it's like there's nobody there. <laughs> um, okay. So, so when you're saying I'm, a, I'm going to, I'm a member of a golf club, people don't really know. But in a way, if you set up a co-op or a health co-op, and if there's any other lockdown for any reason, mm. and you or your 90 year old grandmother, you don't know, need to know the law at all. You just say they just say, I'm a member of the Cambridgeshire Co-op. Mm. And I, I, you know, that's all you have to say. And that's like kryptonite, right, to the mm. boys in blue, because what you don't know is it's law versus legal. Just by saying I'm a member of a co-op or a member of a gym, right? Is a membership is a living man or woman, and then if once you say I'm a living man or woman, even if you don't say it, you just say I'm a member of the golf club, they know. Oh, that's a, a member applies to man or woman, and then they have a right to travel, so they just let you go, right? So the part of the thing of doing a co-op is if you can get co-op. And if you get people to be members, whatever you decide, right, you know, one pound a year or whatever, then if there is another lockdown, you just give everybody, just tell them I'm a member of the co-op and I'm going to a meeting or I'm going to a farmer and the lockdown will be broken, right? Now, I know that sounds really simple, but that's really all it takes. Everybody will join Exactly. So the thing about the co-ops we'll go into it is that we will do the paperwork. We're going to hold the hands of maybe five or seven co-ops as an area and five or seven health ops. And mainly it's me going around to do the paperwork. And then if the if it works and you, you enroll 100 people or whatever, then it's your co-op, right? It's entirely your co-op. And I, we have really nothing to do with it. And we certainly don't want to know the names. And if you decide to... Now, generally, if you're a member, you would pay something as an exchange, but you can do it in cash. So you can do one pound and you give it to you. And you can have a tin box, and each member has a pound for a year, or you have three pounds or whatever, right? But then you, they're your members, it's your co op, you can decide to do nothing or whatever you want, right? Very important for me that it's your co op. Yeah? Mm-hmm. But then you are all members and you are, you are really in an organisation that is the highest, is the law of the people and it's above the Supreme Court, it's above the Magna Carta and you have an inalienable right to travel. And it actually gets rid of, so somebody was asking me, well what about the World Health Organisation, what about COVID-19 Act and all that? That piece of paper applies to persons and corporations, Mr. Smith. So you can kind of think of that, now I don't want to really say toilet paper but... Oh. you know (laughs) what I mean
2: so say if
1: uh, Lego if Lego you know said that men had to wear red jackets every Wednesday you know and then men with little black checkerboard things came up to you as agents of Lego and said I'm sorry you're not wearing a red coat I'm going to invite you into Lego (laughs) and we're going to ask you to volunteer to come in and then you're going to pay us 200 pounds you you know what you would then say uh, in that this words are important is on what authority right so just in the law there are certain words so you're just asking helpfully on what authority and of course they don't have any and usually when you ask those questions they literally run yeah so people just say how do you travel i used to say no you know if they say you have to take a vaccine you say no or no thank you <laughs> and then um because in Germany, when I was on the trains, they'd, you know, like the, the guy, you know, the conductor would go, Where is your mask? and whatever, and then I'd say, I'm not, No, thank you. And then the next stop, three boys in green, with like, you know, uh, would go saying, uh, Sie müssen eine Maske tragen, you know, you must wear a mask. And in Germany, the, in German, there's about 10 different levels of no. And I used to pick the one, whereas if you were a four-year-old child and say, "Do you want chocolate sauce with your ice cream?" and you'd say, "No, thank you," so I say, "Ich möchte nicht," which means "No, thanks." (laughs) (laughs) And then they just like I wasn't going anywhere. They'd say, "You must get up and leave." You know, on the train, on the train, stop. So uh, and then you just go, "No thanks." You know what I mean? Like "Ich möchte nicht." And literally, there'd be like a standoff, and I'd be chatting to them, explaining the law, and I'd say, "I'm not going anywhere." Uh, and then they would leave, and every, all the like 500 people on the train would be furious, right? Because they're all wearing masks, <laughs> <laughs> thinking, and I'd say, "You know, you don't have to wear them if you don't want to." to <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd be even more furious <laughs> if and So all you have to so the the power, the words in the law that are powerful is "no" or "no, thank you." Do you get it? Just knows so That's a really powerful one, no. And then I'll start with the slides. I'll, I'll go into my little talk then, but just to give you the thing of where we're going. So the idea with the co-ops is, now, in a lovely way, if anybody wants, on the 2nd of December, 2023, yeah. we are going to have a lawful educational trial by jury somewhere in England. So if any of you are manifesting a football stadium or any stadium where thousands of people can go... And I will be the organizer. <laughs> <laughs> Second of December twenty twenty three and we will do an educational trial by jury somewhere between Oxford and London or anywhere in Britain or anywhere in England. And the idea was say if we're going to do this so we're going to do this educational trial by jury. It can be on a number of potential topics to wreck their heads. But the main one may be around the fifteen minute cities Mm. so it may be like you know if you have 88 year old twins and they are always see each other every day and after a hundred days they then get a letter to say you have visited you know in June and it's 20 pounds and then the 88 year old twin just says no (laughs) and then they could then so we're already working with 15,000 people in Oxford and one of the groups there has over a 1,000 businesses in Oxford and the Muslim community are supporting us. Now, as always, I've been putting the feelers out over a couple of years, and so to protect them, I'm not gonna say who they are, but they are people who are in the vicinity of Oxford. You know what I mean? And I'm just saying that a lot of the time you just need somebody who says, I will be the organizer, you know? So they're all working on this for the last year. Do you get it? It's not me, but they're actually talking to people. And it's actually great fun to think who would be the man or woman who had standing. Yeah? You know what I mean? So I, ca- I So it has to be someone who lives in Oxford. So it could be a carer that is going around travelling as a nurse, you know, as a carer or a nurse visiting. And then suddenly after whatever, 100 days, she is supposed to sp- pay £20 pounds for every time she visits her Root, yeah, and of course that would be more than she earned, so it would ruin her profession. So that nurse would have standing, or it could be a taxi driver. Do you get it? So it has to be someone where Oxford Council or Cambridge Council comes into their world and say, you cannot travel, and then they would be the man or woman, who would then come to us, and, and later on it will be, if you have a trial by jury system set up in England, that it could be that being part of a community the way it always was, that you may have to volunteer, to voluntary, the law is cost no money, volunteer to go to your local public place, it could be here if you decide every Saturday if there are issues in our community or in our county that people, you know, 200 people will turn up mm-hmm. and then 12 people will be randomly picked from those and that would be the trial by jury. So if you had a plumber that keeps sending bills but never does the job, you know what I mean? If you said, well, I, I paid him 600 euros but he never came back, you would be accusing him of not acting in honor, mm-hmm. and then that would be done in the local community publicly and the 12 people will be randomly picked. That's the jury. And then you would have to provide the evidence. And then the trial by jury would meet. Now, that would just be an act in honour, do no harm part.
2: Yeah.
1: <coughs> but what we're doing initially in the trial by jury system is only in the first few years, because the knowledge of the law is not that good, is to look at a piece of paper for the whole country. So it would be like if the COVID-19 Act or the Climate Change Act. You get it? Yeah. So, say for Oxfordshire, they are s- putting the Agenda 21 15 minute cities through the councils. Does that make sense?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And so the whole United Nations Agenda 21 system insidiously goes through the councils, which the CEO of the council in their world has more power than the Prime Minister. In their world, right? When I say in their world, it's like the legal system and all that. It's not true, so that's kind of insidious. And then they make all these regions and they put up the windows and everything. So in a way, what it is, it's to cloak what's actually going on. And a really good book is Rosa Cory Behind the Green Mask. Behind the. Behind the green mask. mask. So green for all this climate change stuff. Yeah, which is so. Part of the thing then is. We're only doing it on a trial by jury for an issue that affects a nation, or Britain, and it's up to you when, when we do the trial by jury, whether it's England, or England, Scotland, and Wales. You know, they'd be the people in Oxford, or wherever the precedence case is, decide. Yeah. Um, so the idea then of the co-ops is that if we want to do a nationwide trial by jury for a, an act or statute, that the co-ops, there would be like 10, 20, 30, you know, by next year. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: We already are working with five co-ops that have between 800. So they were just community groups that came together in the last four years. They've been working really well. Some of them, they have no structure. Some of them have 800 men and women. And they have farms and they have the whole food distribution. They have home education already. Some of them have 300, 200, right? So the five, the first five we do, and, and of those people, four people that have been involved in those are the four people of the nine of us that are behind the, the co-ops, right, doing the paperwork. Four people have actually run co- like community structures that are very successful and know all the issues. So the idea would be that we want thousands of co-ops, and then if we're going to launch a lawful, that, that people in... The group behind this can teach, or I will go around and teach people, thousands of people, the law on one day in person courses. Um, And then in six months' time, or we can then, or in whenever, you know, by January, February, March, that we can have a lawful trial by jury process where someone who, if they do try and lock down the country again from October, which they're talking about, Mm That then we can decide, you can decide as a country what is the precedence, you know, that within the co op. Mm-hmm. That you would then be trained, and then you'd have maybe 40,000 people in co ops and your communities trained in lawful trial by jury. And then if we're putting a call out for a, a real precedence case, that maybe 5,000 people would turn up, yeah. and then the 12 would be randomly picked and then it would be a public event it would be live streamed and the discussion would be if somebody said like a taxi driver i'm not going to pay the fine we would write in the month before to the council to produce <coughs> the evidence um so usually how it works is so say if they say to the taxi driver Oxford county Co- or council would write and say you your car has been at different sides of Oxford a hundred times. So once you do 101 times, you have to pay 20 euros and that's sent to Joe, right? Joe Smith. Mm -hmm. And then Joe Smith would come to the trial by jury thing and say, I am happy to be a precedence case. Mm -hmm. And then we would work with Joe Smith and Joe Smith would write to Bernadette in the council because the council would write to him and say you owe us 20 pounds Mm -hmm. your car has been scanned right Mm -hmm. and then Joe writes to Bernadette and says can you so it's just called a notice can you confirm that you wrote that you wrote wrote to me but he's writing uh, greetings Bernadette right now Bernadette mightn't write back or she may write back And you might write and say, can you put your name to the letter, right? Now, Bernadette may not write back, but then Bernadette, you give her 28 days. You know, this is a bit of a process. You give time in the law, and then you'd write four times. And then if Bernadette didn't write, you then write to the head of the council. So say it's Sam. Dear Sam, can you confirm that I owe this money? And then Sam may write back. Or may not write back when you do the same thing again. So it takes time. And say if Sam wrote back, it doesn't matter whether Sam writes back. So Sam is the CEO in the council. And whatever Sam does is that if they don't write back, then um, what was the name of the guy? Joe Smith.
2: What was it? Joe Smith. Joe. Joe. Very good. (laughs) Thank
1: you. So then Joe (laughs) calls the trial by jury. And then says to the trial by jury, I've got this letter, but I think it's, you know, it's not in English, but, you know, and it's not autographed, but they're hassling me, right? So then the trial by jury would say, well, in two months' time, we'll have a trial by jury, and we're going to put all the notices are all public, right? And we put them up on a trial by jury website. And then the, the trial by jury would say, write to Bernadette and write to Sam and say, you are invited to come to a trial by jury in two months' time because you have been accused of infringing on his right to travel. And then, you know, we're going to plan that there'll be like a few thousand people in Oxford. The evidence is public in the law. And then either Sam or Bernadette, they either turn up or they don't turn up. It doesn't really matter. And then the 12 people would be provided the evidence. And what's really important is you write the letters and you send them in the British, in the Royal Mail. So it turns out that in the law... Just under living men and women is the postal system. <coughs> and so when you do it by registered post and you get a number and the letters are delivered, that, that's actually evidence in a court of law and it's above the Magna Carta and above the Supreme Court. Yeah? So that evidence then would be given to the 12 jurors in a public place and there'd be thousands of people watching. And if it turns out that they were trying to get you to pay money to travel in England... That that's actually a criminal offence of lifetime in prison for them. Now the remedy would be in the law. The remedy why we're picking the fifteen minute cities is that you need to have a remedy because everybody says, well, we, we don't there's no prisons, right? You know what I mean? That's yeah. the big issue is you know prisons. You know where to put yeah. Now it turns out in twenty nineteen I bought a castle that is a former prison. <laughs> so in Ireland, just to wreck their heads, and I bought it in twenty nineteen to go. Well, I actually own a prison, you know. I actually know. Yeah. Anyway, you know, it's a joke, right? So that people know that you knew. So part of the thing in the fifty minute cities is the remedy is that you don't pay the money. But particularly if they have a barrier to say you cannot go from one side of Oxford to another or Canterbury or whatever, then the remedy would be that the trial by jury verdict would be that yes the piece of paper, the fee for 20 pounds, did infringe on their freedom of travel, which means you don't have to pay to travel. And the remedy would be to give them seven days to remove the barrier. Mm. And then you would say, in the verdict of the trial by jury, in the event that it's not removed, you give them a day's grace, that on the ninth day, we will professionally have it removed. Uh, the, The people of that town would get it removed, right? and that the bill would be sent to the council. <laughs> so what would happen would be that then that would be a stand up. So why it's important that the co-ops know that the trial by jury is happening, right? Because what we need is that 10,000 people turn up at mm. that trial by jury. Mm. You know that that trial by jury is done in a big stadium. Mm. So that's why it was very important that people who came in July 2020, the 40,000 people and the 1 million people, It actually was really significant. If we organized the (coughs) and there was 20 people there, Mm. then they would have had a success and we would have lost. Do you know what I mean? Because when you have a million people turning up at something, they can't murder us all, literally. Mm. So part of the thing why the whole co-op is, is to run the trial by jury. Now, I'm not saying the co-ops are the right way to do localities and they're in the law and they're really flexible. Yeah, they're an ideal thing for the law. And if the health hubs will be using the exact same paperwork. So it turns out if you set up a health hub as a co-op, it's the exact same paperwork. It's only eight pages. You know what I mean? It's not a big deal. But it just means if you're a member of a co-op and you read the thing, it's the exact same paperwork um, to be a local community of Devon or Cornwall Co-op or whatever you want, right? Brackley Co-op or whatever. So it means that if you're a member of a health hub or you're a member of a local community health hub, you know you're you know how the system works mm-hmm. and it'll be the same paperwork everywhere. So the idea is that all the co-ops can then if we want to communicate that we're going to instigate a trial by jury that we will put it up on a website, right? And that the co-ops will just tell each other, "Oh, there's a trial by jury," and that we will communicate. But nobody, I don't need to know the names of people. It's just a, a win-win type thing. I Is that okay? Yeah. yeah? Dolores, with your um,
3: taxi example. Yes. Right, and you've got the remedy that uh, can go to the council and get them to remove. Them yes. Right, um, at the same time, haven't they broken the privacy? And the remedy for the privacy is to take down all of those no, cameras.
1: Very good. Yes. Yes. So the thing is, what we're going... It's exactly right. So the thing is, I was thinking about two days ago. So literally, I wake up every day and every week thinking, how can I wreck their heads? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally... What the hell? So then I thought, well, you know what? Now, of course, the people in Oxford um, and the Oxford 21 has been set up. And I went to a meeting in January, February, where there was already 400 people around the 50-minute cities in Oxford, not, not organised by me, right? So they literally have Oxford 21, mm. and all the businesses have got together, nothing to do with me. So what I was thinking to wreck their heads for the s- educational event on the 2nd of December, that you could actually have, like, 10 options of what the educational event would be about, and then it could be up to the people who turn up to vote so then you could say coroners and unlawful fraudulent debt yeah. Or you could say exposing young boys and girls to abusive pornography in the education system. Uh, or you could say the five G, you know, they're more harm than good, you know, invasion of your privacy. So in, so this was just a head wrecking thing that you as a community And one of the things I was thinking of is that we could actually roll it out to young people you know, as an educational event. We could actually have it for young people as well to do a trial by jury with the consent of their mothers and fathers, or that the young people would actually propose the text of what the trial by jury would be about as an educational kind of event. So for the educational event, we could always say, well, the 15-minute cities would be the top one. And then the people could vote. Around the world and in England for what the other one would be, so it could be around LGBTQ or five G or COVID nineteen vaccines or whatever. Yeah, does that make <coughs> sense? Yeah. Okay. Now I can stop there, or I can go on quickly to the slides, or what you want a coffee break or whatever or question.
3: I do have a question. Yes. Right. So, um, and Karen,
2: can I have should have
3: coffee. Yeah, yeah. 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 trial? Yeah. Okay. So. Um, once the judgment has taken place, is there any proposed rules for enforcement, as in peace constables?
1: So the thing is, I'm not going there now, right? Okay. okay. No, I'm, I'll tell you, because part of the thing is, so that's a good question because I didn't clarify it. The The major, there are two roles for, so the whole law is act in honor, do no harm, and that men and women have inalienable rights to life, travel, speech, property, and privacy. That is enforced in our society by the trial by jury system, but there are two roles for a trial by jury everywhere, and one is to nullify pieces of paper. Okay, so the role of a trial by jury is to nullify means is the piece of paper lawful? So and then the other one is to have cases of murder, rape putting men and women in prison for criminality if they are convicted, innocent everyone is innocent every man or woman is innocent in the law until proven guilty by a trial by jury right? so obviously if you're dealing with men and women then you require enforcement of someone who has been convicted which is what you're talking about but that's half of the role of a lawful trial by jury the other half is that they look at a piece of paper to nullify it that doesn't require prisons so because there is a lack of generational knowledge of the law for the first few years we are only going to concentrate on whether a piece of paper is lawful so what's really important is that men and women in any parliament in the world including the parliament in Westminster that they do not make law right they pass pieces of paper now a piece of paper is only law If a man or woman who has standing in respect of the piece of paper, like COVID-19 or climate change lockdown, challenge it to a jury, a lawfully constituted trial by jury of 12 men or women in a nation, and the first thing is the trial by jury would assess the piece of paper to see is the piece of paper itself lawful. And the piece of paper, whether it's an act, statute, or legislation, can only be called law if the trial by jury look at it and the piece of paper does not infringe on, does not in itself um, involve not acting in honour and causing more harm or infringing <coughs> on people's <coughs> lawful right to life, travel, speech, property and privacy so the COVID-19 act is saying you cannot travel outside 10 miles so if that if Josephine Dolores then we did have a lawful trial by jury and I have an accusation in the newspapers that it's 10 years in prison for me organizing a meeting of 30 people outdoors when there is a lawful trial by jury system in England because fraud unravels all it's a maximum law and there's no time limit on fraud And fraud is partly deception, misrepresentation of the law. It's the same thing. So I can then go and say, well, I have this correspondence, well, or the new, right, that the trial by jury could then see, well, look at the COVID-19 Act, because in the newspapers they say the warrant was issued under the COVID-19 Act. And then all the trial by jury would have to do is look at the COVID-19 Act. And if it says in there, it is a criminal offence, to go beyond 10 miles then the trial by jury would say the warrant related to that the, the, that piece of paper the COVID-19 act was infringing on my right to freedom of travel and the 12 men or women in the trial by jury can nullify say that that's not a criminal offense right yes. do you get it mm-hmm. that the accusation saying it was a criminal offense up to 10 years in prison, it wouldn't matter if it was one day in prison, is that lawful, right? It can only be lawful if if it's not infringing. So it's exactly the same as if they passed a law to say you can shoot every second man or woman. That would be infringing on their right to life, right? So what they're doing by saying in any legislation that if you organize a meeting, and the criteria was, I think was (coughs) 10 miles, right? so that meant that if you travelled more than 10 miles but it doesn't matter if it's more than 2 miles more than 15 minutes more than 100 miles any piece of paper trying to limit the travel of men and women anywhere in the world but particularly in your own nation that piece of paper to infringe on your right to travel is the exact same as infringing on your right to life right? It's the exact same
3: hence why travelling to Scotland is not actually that much of a problem
1: for exactly uh, yes because they, exactly. well they could not be prosecuted absolutely <laughs> but the thing is then it's a hot potato right because what's really important is there's a <coughs> criminal offence then to be a member of parliament it's a criminal offence because in the law you knew or should have known there that's a maxim of law ignorance of the law is no excuse no. now what's really interesting is you might not have heard these phrases right for a generation or two right But the beauty of, you know, there's a phrase, truth is like a lion, you know, (laughs) like free. uh, That's what Andrew Britchon said. Yeah. Um, Truth is like a lion, set it free and it will defend itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the thing is, when you go, when people hear no one is above the law, that makes sense. Yeah. But another maxim is ignorance of the law is no excuse.
0: We know that one, don't
1: we? Yeah. So the thing is, when I had my TNT radio thing before I was taken off, I was just saying the most, in my personal opinion, among the most liable people are the Supreme Court judges right, and the attorney general. Because they ca- you can't claim ignorance of the law. No, no. And the law is so simple, right? Yeah? So no wonder I was taken off of TNT radio. Yeah, Ignorance of the law is no excuse. So you can't be dressed up as a Supreme Court justice Right? or a Member of Parliament. So what's really worrying now, so the most worried people are the civil servants. Um, the civil servants and the Members of Parliament and the Prime Ministers and the Attorney Generals because they can't claim they didn't know that to pass the COVID-19 Act and enforce it was not the second highest crime in Britain, England today. Treason is the highest crime. And the second highest crime is 20 years in prison in England today, as it was in 2020, for be engaging in the crime of malfeasance. And the crime of malfeasance is to be paid as Attorney General, Member of Parliament Police, Supreme Court judges, justices, and to not stop a piece of paper that infringed on your inalienable right to travel. And it's lifetime in prison for them. So. The thing is, uh, the question about the prisons is, all we're doing in a loving way, right, is stopping the harm. So all we're saying is we are going to do... So there's two roles of a lawful trial by jury. One is to assess murder and harm and everything. You can leave them off if you want. I'm sure they're fine. Um, You can leave them off, yeah, if nobody wants. And so the thing is, right, all the things people are thinking you need prisons, and obviously I was one of the first people trained on the Guardians 300, And they trained, we trained, mixed up trained 90 of us. I was in the first tranche, and we went on to train (coughs) 120,000 people in in the law in Britain and Ireland in 2021, all for free. Yeah, it's the same network of people that were going to roll out the co-ops and the trial by jury. But we are not going to to use the power of the trial by jury initially, but of course it's up to you in England what you do once it's set up. (coughs) Uh, around prisons and police, right, because that would not be strategic. So the first thing we're just going to do is to do educational trial by jury to assess if a piece of paper, if we had a trial by jury, would be lawful because there are words that I won't use that that could otherwise be. It's an educational event. And then when we give the co-ops, so we say within six months or three months there are seven or eight functioning local co-ops four or five of them are already there and you have seven or eight health hubs that are co-ops. so you have like 20,000 people then you will be the people and the people in the precedence areas who want to do a trial by jury so like you could do a 5G like I can literally we're going to do the 2nd of December because they're calling they may be calling a, a fake lockdown from October so that would give us two months in order to mobilize the nation right for people to say however even if there's no petrol you know we may have to have it that people open their houses mm. you know to say well you can stay you know it'd be like a good crack event right we'll yeah. all cycle we'll all get bicycles <laughs> and head talks right. <coughs> and then there's always a thing on the third of december or the second half of the second of december we can do 5g or deserts certs for coroners do you know what i mean whatever you want like game on so that we're just doing the lawfulness of a piece of paper. Yeah, not the prisons. And of course the main thing is that the most liable people are civil and public servants. And that flips it. It means the most liable people are the regulator on the clinical trial. The, the chief coroner. If there's any falsification of a death search. So there are certain roles that operate in the law. The attorney general and the coroner and the pathologist are dealing with men and women who are alive. So if you don't write adverse event from a vaccine, as a coroner, when they drop dead within minutes or hours, then that information would mean the clinical trial must be stopped. And if they falsified and say, COVID-19 or cancer or a heart attack, that individual coroner holds the liability for all future deaths, because if those individual coroner had done their job. The clinical for say one death on the clinical trial, so they actually hold the liability. Yeah, now,
3: Dolores, would that also apply to the GPs who have administered these vaccines and have two things not one, they didn't get informed consent, yes, right? And 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 I have it, I, I've you know been having conversations with my GP, I was trying to protect. For surgery, yes. to say you have to get informed consent, yes. and his reply was very simple: people get in their car, they come down here, and I jab. And when I pulled out the pack leaflet and I said, "Have you read this?" He said, "I got given that after I had my jab." And I said, "But hang on a minute, it's got." Um, it, it talks about increased risks of myocarditis. My question to you is what's the increased risk? Do you know it? Oh, yeah, so it's all up so there. If you want
1: to look at openvares.org, so I look at No, I, yeah, I've got all that. But the thing is, is, that, is, the, is the doctor then, the GP, he,
3: he is also then going to be viable, right? one right, hundred
1: Well, so the thing is, I, I maybe will I go s- quickly through yeah. the slides? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, th- th- I'm going to answer your <laughs> no, question. <laughs> I'm going to answer your <laughs> question <laughs> because the word doctor, <laughs> the word doctor <laughs> is is a corporation that docks the corporation baby slip
3: yes.
1: into the legal system where they're just a business. Ah. The word doctor, so you have a doc. A dock, you know, a dock. It's done like a ship. Yeah. Yeah. So in the law, like very simple things, the men and women are all the same, right? No one is above the law. What's very, it's really, uh, kind of sad in a way. If you go into a room, once you know what I'm going to say very quickly in the slides, is that in a lawful trial by jury, the twelve men and women are at the same level. It's really important, right? No one is above the law. We're all equal. And the the accused are all the same level but in a courtroom they're all like levels of the Masonic and the 12 uh, businesses are at different levels 6 and 6 you know so it turns out that's a duck, you know when you yeah and you're swearing and it turns out the book that they use has uh, (laughs) I love dogs and the books that they're using has all caps uh, in every verse that they use if you go in yeah and it's two words with all capital letters so you know what i mean all capitals if you say uh, in the beginning was the word right It, it would be i n all capital letters in the beginning so two words in all capital letters are in a foreign language it's not in english right So in a sad way, you know what, every verse of the Bible used in those buildings we call courts, every verse, the first two words are in all capital letters and the rest are in English. Mm -hmm. But if you have two languages on any piece of paper, you nullify it in the law, it has no standing. So and then when you're swearing, Swearing you're actually swearing against the creator, the divine, Mm -hmm. in a book that has no language on it. And you stand up on one step as consent, and the man or woman accused is in the dock. Mm -hmm. And how they end up in the dock is the man who is in law, a physician, is named after his role of docking the baby to the legal system. And then the baby is born dead in their world. And then you are forever a slave, and you have no, in their world, um, no rights to justice. So when you enter their world and they write to you as the business, Mr. Smith, and you go in there, and when the man dressed in black comes in and everybody rises, that's yeah. consent in their world. So. And if you go up into the dock, in their world, you're saying, I am the business. I have no expectation of justice. And ignorance of the law is no excuse, so it's a mockery. And the difference between the law is like uh, Joe is in the law and Mr. Smith is in the mockery, yeah? It's like toilet paper. So when you go into their building, someone will come and say, are you Mr. Smith? Uh, And when they say, walk here, walk this way, or the man dressed up as a judge will say, can you walk one step forward? That's all. And do you understand? Because do you stand under the authority of the legal system, which is a mockery of, you know, uh, they're all ways of getting you to consent. So when the man paid as a doctor is saying they get in their car, what he's doing in an unlawful way is misrepresenting the law. He's saying that them getting in their car, coming and asking him to inject them, is informed consent in his inverted world. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's what he's saying, even though he doesn't know. Does that answer your question? But it turns out a doctor is a business, a a corporation, and the corporation can only deal with other businesses called Mr. Smith, Miss Jones, Mm -hmm. and the name for those is person and citizen. And what unravels the whole thing is that the parliament that we have used to uh, make laws that apply to men and women. But if you look at all the legislation for hundreds of years, you will see that it applies to persons and citizens, right? Now this is the same as the World Health Organization. It's really empowering. The person or citizen would be Miss Catholic. Yeah. Now, there's a simple system, I'm going to be doing a co op called Custodian Co op. And part of the thing the there is a, an easy way to own your property in law, which I would recommend that that freedom fighters, particularly like Karen and a few people do, right, which I have done. So you can actually very simply, but to put you, your boys and girls, your sons and daughters, particularly if they're in the education system, into the law, when it's not a 10-minute conversation, but it's about the same amount of time as getting a driver's license. Do you get it? Mm-hmm. Right? So one of the things that I will be doing custodian co-op and partly the there was like a nurse that came from Scandinavia and we did a few meetings in Ireland last week and she has 600 nurses that would not inject people, right? Without informed consent and they all lost their jobs which is pretty much like a health system, right? Now, what I'm going to offer is for custodian co-op is that the men and women, particularly whistleblowers and physicians, if they are members of custodian co-op, for as long as I'm alive and for as long as it's feasible if they want I can substitute myself instead of them right so the reason why the health hubs are important is the whole lockdown and agenda 21 will only work if men and women do not get vitamin C and do not get vitamin D and do not get zinc correct you know what I mean do not get treatment so why we are rolling out the health hubs is that we what what's happening up to now? And I am in Ireland. The PHA, you know, the People's Health Alliance. I'm president of the World Doctors Alliance that I co-founded with 140 uh, professionals with us. Right. I'm president of the World Freedom Alliance. We're in every country now. But um, and I'm supporting the World Council for Health. Right. So I'm in, kind of in touch with everyone. But it turns out as of now, without this, and I did ring everybody before I did this. Right. And I rang them like a month ago, saying have you got this sorted? Has anyone in the world got it sorted? right? And what, what I mean by sorted is that the health hubs that are providing prevention and treatment or just even vitamin D or information right, about nutritious food, is there any backup plan for if they target one physician or one osteopath or one nurse or one care home homeowner and they bring 100 boys in black or blue there and they video it Right? And they come and unlawfully detain or arrest the nurse and the, and the physiotherapist, right? There is no backup plan in the world as of now, right? So we're four years on, 7,000 million people in the world, and there's nobody helping the nurses and doctors who lost their jobs and their incomes if they decide to go into care homes to help people, right? So partly what the health hub is about is that if you have a health hub and you are 100 people and you know a little bit about the law and we may have it that if the lockdown is cold, we don't know when, right? But in their agenda they're all in, so there has to be a climate change lockdown or a monkeypox lockdown, right? There has to be one because they don't they are all, they're all in it's like this. Anyway so then if we have it that the, the first seven health hubs if there's a lockdown that they keep going, right? But everybody in their community are have do the one day training <coughs> about the law, which we will offer in the next few months. Then if none of the other health hubs are open or help you know, we like put it out that all the GPs even don't practice and then there's only one health hub or two, then if they want to they have to come in and arrest those people. It's a bit like me, you know what I mean? You're taking them off. Mm -hmm. now the way it would work is and I'd be very happy to sleep in a sleeping bag in the health hub right Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean like this is a strategy thing you just say to people there mightn't be a health service for two weeks do you know what I mean it's fine if there's a lockdown and then we all like gather around one health hub so if that health hub keeps open for two weeks and then we publicise it there's two things if the boys in black and blue don't come in then the other health hubs can open And if the Boys in Blue do come in, I could be an honorary member of that co-op, and I could say, well, if your uh, physician is Tom, that Tom and I have an arrangement that if the General Medical Council and the Boys in Black and Blue are going to go after Tom, that I will be substituting for Tom. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that Tom would say she's my lawful advocate, or we would just have it that I would volunteer that they would take me instead of Tom. Do you get it? And then the boys in checkered black and white have a little problem. It's a bit like Trafalgar Square. They either unlawfully detain me and then we already instigate a trial by jury. Right, do you get it? Like this year, a real one. Or we video the conversation And, you know, the 100 people, there was about a 1,000 RoboCop guys in Trafalgar Square, right? Now, they didn't touch me, but I took them on. I told them who I was, yeah? They didn't take me on in the day. So say the health hub stays open and they don't challenge the first health hub, then the other seven or eight open up the next week, Mm -hmm. and then the world is watching the eight health hubs. Now, if they don't come out of the eight health hubs and those eight health hubs become financially very successful Mm -hmm. because we want you to be financially successful because in the karmic way you should be right so we're now going into that we have to move our purchasing power so you'd be saying if I want to have a health professional I will support the brave health professionals (coughs) that are actually risking their lives right Mm -hmm. you know so then if if the, the eight health hubs are not no boys in blue then the lockdown is broken as regards the health hubs. And then the health centres around the world, or around Britain, can just open. And if they start challenging you know, somebody that isn't a health hub in the law, then we can all protect them. Do you get it? Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing. They have to really do the lockdown before Christmas, if they're going to do a lockdown this year. So we've already planned the trial by jury on the 2nd of December 2023. Now, if there is a real lockdown, we can always do a precedence that someone is arrested, you know, in November. And then the trial by jury would actually be around the documentation for someone in England traveling to see their grandmother, you know? Mm -hmm. And that the trial by jury may turn from an educational event to an actual lawful trial by jury. And then we get the word out and have 10,000 people. And then it would be game on. And I will be the one paying for whatever it is. You know what I mean? And then we will be challenging the lockdown. And if they uh, unlawfully detain me, right, which they could do, the, my co-organiser is Mick Stott, who set up the Guardians 300. Now, he's the main guy who trained 120,000 people, and he's a veteran. And the veterans stood down, you know, with the town tel- because they wanted to respect it. But what we could do, and I'm not speaking for the veterans, but there is at least one hundred and twenty thousand people in Britain and Ireland. <coughs> we would then be pulling the word out that we need people who know the law to go to the second of December event, even if I'm unlawfully detained somewhere, you know, and mixed dot and round mixed dot we have like a whole thousands of people That if anything happens <coughs> mixed up we will then activate the, that the events would go ahead and also in a way we might want to inspire that every community gets together and watches it live or has their own trial by jury event you know within the communities to just kind of break the lockdown so that's the general plan. Does that sound like good fun? Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is that I already said in 2020 that I was going to identify as a man
2: I <laughs> <wrongly detained. laughs> and
1: I got in. And that's just like that came on because they were saying well we'll issue a warrant um, you know just because like obviously if you're a little putty duddy professor the idea of a warrant would be so terrible but then I'm like I'll see you a warrant and I'll raise you I'll identify as a man so I got in touch I kind of did it before to the prison network because a lot of them I've been in touch with for a long time I was a scout leader for 15 years and I, I was working in very poor areas and I'm kind of fairly well connected um, and they said, don't worry, Dolores, you know, we won't rape you. We look after you, <laughs> which was good. Right? And that was good. Um, and then they then immediately came back and said, don't worry, Dolores, within 20, you're only be with us for like a day. And I said, OK, why is that? And they said, well, the next day, we're all going to identify as women. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I said, brilliant, right? They really got it. And I think part of the reason why, and I'm literally going to do it, right? So it would mean that they, so Mount Joy is one of the big, you know, tough male prisons, because mine would be a criminal conviction for 10 years, right? I would be have like one of the longest prison sentences if, I, if they were to do it. And they have to kind of do the same thing for the next 20, 10 years in prison. But I'm also saying I'm going to raise an army, and every minute I'm in there, I'll be teaching them how to read, and teaching them the law, and converting all their property. Teaching right? to read. Mm. No, but I don't mean <laughs> that in a bad way. <laughs> no, I don't mean that in a bad way, but you I was a scout leader in a very poor area, and actually an awful lot of people, the way they, they have changed how they teach reading about 40 years ago, and they use the way of teaching for deaf and dumb people. You know, they literally have changed how you read, so it's actually impossible to read the way they teach, and it really affects men. And it means they can't read, and then they're diagnosed as dyslexic and told they're not clever, right? So I have a really good skill of teaching people to read very quickly, right? There's an old-fashioned way. My daughter was able to read books she hadn't seen before at 15 months, right? But uh, you can teach anyone to read. Now, I don't mean that. I'm not saying that people... But a lot of the time, men have been targeted right and then they've been labeled and then they say you won't amount to anything when actually they are hugely intelligent right so part of the thing of unlocking it is you can teach people how to teach other people to read right you know if you can't read it actually removes <coughs> a whole lot of knowledge so I'm not saying that in a you know but but the other th- the other thing is then is that you can you know um, tell men how important they are right and actually train them to be peace constables or to know the law and to be leaders in their community to be grandfathers or whatever. Um, but so the thing is, I was going to raise, not raise an army, but raise an army of men that would know the law, mm-hmm. and be very powerful. But also, if they are going to defend the, the, you know, only obviously defend and be lawful, that if their property is secure, you know, the information that I have, then a lot of the time they take children of whistleblowers and men who are speak out about paedophilia. Mm-hmm. But if you can put your boys and girls in the law. Um, they can't do that right so so the thing is i was going to then they were going to they would have to call them mountjoy the women's prison you know what i mean because all the men would be women and then i'd be stuck in some prison Cut, the and, I don't write to
2: my <laughs>
1: and then what i said is if i was meeting whoever in england or Ireland, the guy over the prison the warden guy or whatever i would if he said that you're not a wim- woman i would say are you anti-semitic <laughs> and then the other thing is if I was in prison I would be the only one like in Ireland having spoken out as a professor I'd be the only man or woman in prison and like it would wreck heads even though I'm censored since 2021 people would be going well that doesn't make any sense because she spoke out and now she's in prison for 10 years that would kind of awaken a lot of people but if I was identified as a man all the people under 30 if they put me in the women's prison all the people you know in America and around the world all the young people would be going this is outrageous she's identified as a man they should be putting her in the mail prison <laughs> <laughs> and then so part of the thing is if they do arrest me before the 2nd of December 2023 if you do hear that I've identified as a man you that whole whole
3: <laughs>
1: Exactly. and so I think the whole reason why they haven't actually come through with any of the <laughs> arrests is they're like going Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, will we take a break there? What yeah. do you want? Or go, yeah.
3: If you've enjoyed this edition of Sounding Board, make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcast platform and visit soundingboard.com to see all our audio recordings, videos and blogs. We don't want your money, but you can support Sounding Board by giving us a great review and sharing us with the people you know. If you have an idea for a topic of conversation, why not join us in our Telegram channel at t.me forward slash soundingboard. See you next time.